0: Section Five of Stories of the Scottish Border. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Stories of the Scottish Border by Mr. and Mrs. William Platt. Chapter Two. Athelstan at Vinheath. Famous among the old Norse sea rovers was Egil, son of Skallagrim. In the course of his many voyages he visited all the lands between the White Sea and the Bay of Biscay, and when at last he settled down in his Iceland home, where he lived on till well past the age of eighty, he loved to gather his children and grandchildren around him by the fireside during the long Icelandic winter, and tell the story of his adventures. He was a true Norseman, fond of the sea and the fight, fond of his wife and children, fond of song at which he was highly skilled. His songs and his stories of adventure were listened to with eagerness, and they were repeated after him, and were at last written down, probably between one hundred and fifty and two hundred years after his death. Books were scarce in those days, and stories were treasured and faithfully retold so this story of egil was probably written out very much in the simple vigorous style in which the old warrior would have told it to his grandchildren as they listened to him with wide-open wondering eyes and as the old man had taken part in an early battle between saxon english and scots upon the border we have here a fine picture of how fights were fought in the reign of king athelstan egil was speaking to icelandic children who knew little about England. So he began by telling them how, in the days when Harold Fairhair was king of Norway, Alfred the Great was the first supreme king over all England. When Alfred died, he was succeeded by his son Edward, who was followed by Athelstan the Victorious. In Egil's day, Athelstan was young, and had but just been made king, and many chieftains who had kept quiet before, now thought that the time had come when they could do as they pleased again. But Athelstan meant to show them that he too could rule England strongly and wisely. These were the days of brute force, and the king had first to get an army together. Besides his own English folk, many roving Norsemen came to take his pay, and among the number were Egil, and his elder brother Thorolf with their men. They saw the king himself, who received them well. Athelstan was a good Christian, known as the Faithful, and he desired that Thorolf and Egil should submit to be marked with the cross, that they might take their place by his Christian soldiers without quarrel. This they agreed to, and the king gave them command over three hundred men. Now Olaf the Red was king in Scotland. His father was a Scot, but his mother was a Dane of the family of Ragnar with the hairy breeches, that savage old Viking. Northumberland, which in those days extended to the Humber, and included York as its chief city, was half full of Danes, and King Olaf wished to claim it for his own and add it to Scotland. Athelstan. Had set Earl Afgeir and Earl Gudrek to rule Northumberland and defend it from the Scots. But Olaf of Scotland came south with his mighty host. There was a fierce battle. Earl Gudrek was slain, and Earl Afgeir fled. When Athelstan heard of the triumph of Olaf, he began at once to march northward with all the men he could get together. But he was yet young and some of the treacherous earls, hearing that Olaf had so far been victor, deserted King Athelstan. Chief among these traitors were Earl Hring and Earl Adils, who should have been in the very front of the English army, but who basely went over to the Scots. Thus Olaf's host became exceeding great, greater by far than the English army. Then Athelstan called together his captains and his counsellors, Egil was there and heard all the grave talk as to what should be done. At last a plan was made that all thought good, and this is what followed. First, messengers were sent to King Olaf, saying that King Athelstan would meet him in fair fight at Vinheath by Vinwood in Northumberland, where he would mark out the field of battle with rods of hazel. He who won the battle should be king over all England. The armies should meet a week hence, and whichever was first on the ground should wait a week for the other. King Olaf should bide quiet and not harry the land till the battle was ended. North of the heath was a town. There King Olaf stayed, for there he could best get provisions for his army, but some of his men he sent to the heath to view it. The hazel poles were already set up on the large level plain. A river was on one side, and a wood was on the other. And where river and wood were nearest to one another, there King Athelstan's tents were pitched. Many tents there were, but the front line of tents stood high, so that the Scots could not see how many were behind. Every third tent was empty, but many men were sleeping on the grass in the open, so that the Scots might think that the English had a large army there. Every day more English troops came in, and when the time was come that was fixed for the battle, English envoys went to the king of the Scots, asking if there need be the great fight and bloodshed that threatened. If Olaf would go peaceably home, Athelstan would give him a shilling of silver for every plough that ploughed in England. The Scots took counsel together, and said they must have more than this. Then the messengers begged a three days' truce to consider this. On the third day they came again, saying that King Athelstan would give what he offered before, and also to the Scottish army, a silver shilling for every freeman soldier, a silver mark for every lesser officer, a gold mark for every captain, and five gold marks for every earl. But the Scots asked not only for this, but also for Northumberland to be yielded to them. Then the English messengers answered that Scottish messengers must ride back with them to take the answer from Athelstan himself. Now the truth is this, that the Scottish King had taken Athelstan by such surprise that he needed time to get his men together. All these messages were but a trick to gain time till the King should come up himself with all the men he could gather. When therefore the messengers rode up to King Athelstan he had but just arrived on the scene of battle, and when he heard the message he said, Tell King Olaf this that I will give him leave to return to Scotland safely, if only he give back all he has unjustly taken from this land, and if he own himself my under-king, holding Scotland for me at my behest. This proud answer made the Scottish messengers at once see what had been going on, so they hastened back to their king to tell him how they had been received, and what the meaning of it was. When the Scots found that the English had thus outwitted them, they took counsel together in some anger. Earl Adils, he who had deserted the English, said that he and his brother, Earl Hring, would that very night make a surprise attack. If it succeeded, well and good. If not, then they could easily withdraw, and the main battle could begin in the morning. This the King of Scots held to be good advice. So the two traitor earls and their men moved southward under cover of the darkness, but Thorolf the Norseman was used to the ways of war, and his sentries were alert and blew a great war-blast on their horns, and thus the fight began. Thorolf was armed with a massy halberd, that stood taller than a man. Broad was its blade and thick its socket, and it ended in a 4 edged spike. He had a strong sword by his side, and a big heavy shield on his left arm. He had a helmet, but no shirt of mail. His brother, Egil, was armed in much the same way. The Norseman's standard was borne by Thorfid the Strong. Next to the Norsemen, in the first rank also, was the division led by Earl Alfgeir, he who had once before fled from the Scots. King Athelstan gave him this chance to redeem himself. Now when the first onslaught of the Scots took place, Earl Adils came against Earl Alfgir, while Earl Hring came against the Norsemen. And now the battle began. The two traitor earls urged on their men who charged with spirit. The fight was fierce, and soon Alfgir gave ground. This made the foe press on the fiercer, and before long Alfgir was in full flight. He avoided the town where Athelstan was, and fled night and day to the coast, where he took ship out of the country he had served so ill. Adils did not dare to pursue him far, for fear of being himself cut off from his friends, so he returned to help his brother Hring against the Norsemen. Thorolf, like a true general, saw the danger of this. And at once told Egil to turn aside with half their force to prevent Adils from joining his brother. The Norsemen fought a grand fight, but were badly outnumbered, and the battle seemed to be going against them. Then Thorolf became furious. Disdainful of life, he cast his shield behind his back, grasped his great halberd with both hands and sprang forward, hacking down all who opposed him. Straight for Hring's standard he went, nothing could stop him. He slew the standard-bearer, cut through the standard-pole, and with a mighty stroke thrust his halberd right through the body of Hring, the traitor-earl, and lifted him up in the air, that all might see that he was slain. Then Adels and the rest of the men fled to the wood, and thus ended the first part of the fight. More was to come on the morrow. At dawn, the next day, King Athelstan came forward with his main army. He had heard of the great deeds of the brothers Thorolf and Egil. Most courteously he thanked them, and said he would always reckon them as his friends. Then, with his captains, he made his plans for the battle. Egil he put in command of the front ranks of his men, and Thorolf he set aside to face those of the Scots. Who might charge the English in loose array. For this is the way of the Scots, he said. They dash to and fro, rush forward and hither and thither, and are dangerous except to a commander who is both wary and bold. Egil said, I would rather that Thorolf and I were near together. But Thorolf answered, as the king commands, so will we do. The battle began, and soon waged furiously. Thorolf and his men pressed forward along the woodside, hoping to take the enemy on the flank. Now, unknown to him, Adels and his followers were hiding among the trees, and of a sudden Adils sprang out and smote him down. Thorfid too, the brave standard-bearer, was pressed back, but rallied the men who fought desperately. The Scots had raised a great shout at the fall of Thorolf, And this was heard by Egil, who, when he saw the standard forced back, feared that his brother was dead, for Thorolf had never drawn back from any foe. So with a fierce cry Egil hacked his way through to that part of the field, and when he learnt the truth from his men, he never rested till he had slain Adils with his own hand. The followers of Adils then fled, and Egil and the Norsemen hewed their way through the flank of the Scottish force towards the place where King Olaf's standard was. Noting this, King Athelstan, that wary general, caused his own standard to be set forward, and all his army to attack at once. Fierce and furious was the fight, and great was the slaughter. King Olaf was slain with great numbers of his men, and the rest fled in confusion. The English victory was complete. As soon as Athelstan saw that victory was his, he left the pursuit to his captains, and hastened to the town to make his arrangements. Egil pursued far and fiercely, and when at last he came back to the battlefield, his first thought was for his dead brother. Worn out though he was, he would take no rest until he had buried the warrior with full honours, with his arms and his raiment, and before the sad farewell was said, Egil clasped a gold bracelet on both of Thorold's wrists, to show his deep love. Then they buried the hero deep, and put a high cairn of stones over him. Then one last tribute Egil paid to his brother, the greatest of them all. Among these old Norse warriors there existed a great love of song. The great fighters strove also to be great songmakers. And Egil was famous above most for this power. The Norsemen's poems had not rhymes like ours; they had short, vigorous lines, and in each pair of lines, three of the important words had to begin with the same letter. wild strong chants they were. This is the song that Egil sang at the burial of his brother, Thorolf Skallagrimson, the Hallberg of the hero hewed down the foe before him. Then in the brunt of battle was spilt brave Thorolf's blood. The grass is green on Vinheath, where sleeps my great-souled brother, but death in doubled sorrow our doleful hearts must bear. When Egil got to the town, he found the king and his army making merry over their victory at a huge feast. The courteous king saw Egil and bade him come and sit near to him. The king watched the burly Norseman, who was tall, with broad shoulders, a powerful head, and mighty strength. But now his head was bent forward, and he kept his sword across his knees, and now and again half drew it, and then clashed it back into its scabbard, like a man who fights with heavy thoughts. He ate little, and drank less. Then, King Athelstan, watchful and courteous, took a gold ring from his arm, and, placing it on his sword-point, handed it thus to where Egil sat. At this mark of honour the Norseman's face grew brighter. Then the king sent round his own horn for Egil to drink. So he drank to the king, and sang a verse of wild poetry in his praise, made on the spur of the moment. And with this the king was much pleased. Then the king sent also for two chests full of silver, and said to Egil, These chests carry to thy father. It is fitting that King Athelstan make him some gift for the loss of his son. And do thou stay with me long, and I will give thee honour and dignity. Thus the great king, in kindness and courtesy, did what he could to soothe the grief of the warrior and Egil stayed the winter with Athelstan. But when the summer came, he wished to go back to his own people. But he had much respect for King Athelstan, and ere he bade him farewell, he made a long poem to his glory. From the Song of Egil, Scalagrimson, To the Glory of King Athelstan See how the kingly warrior, Land warder, battle wakener, smites even to the earth the earls who rise against him. Glad is now Northumberland, this the king she needed, wise and bold of race and blood, dauntless in the battlefield. Many were the verses of this stirring song, and after each came the refrain. Scottish hills where reindeer roam, own the rule of Athelstan. The king gave Egil two heavy gold rings, and a handsome cloak that he himself had worn. Then the Norseman sailed away, for always near to his heart was the welfare of his dead brother's wife and child. Yea, for the rest of his long life he loved this child, even as he loved his own. End of section 5. Stories of the Scottish Border. Chapter 2. Athelstan at Vinheath.